What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always. And we have actual, real, tangible lacrosse games, actual results to talk about. Actual results to talk about. College lacrosse is back. We had two games on Saturday, and we're going to break them down here on uh, I, I guess this is the first uh, kind of um, Saturday recap episode of the podcast. Um, before we get going into today's episode, I do want to go over what the podcast schedule and structure will be like now that we're in season. So um, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday will stay the same. Those are the days that the podcast will be coming out. Tuesday will be previews, uh, preview of the midweek games. So if there's a Tuesday game, obviously preview that there as well as Wednesday and uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll mostly be previewing the weekend games, but if they're all Thursday games, we'll be previewed there as well. Um, so th- that's essentially what the week game, the week podcast will be is previewing midweek and weekend action, as well as addressing any news or notes that need to be hit on. So that's that's the gist of the Tuesday-Thursday podcast. Um, also, you know, Tuesday-Thursday, if there are some big midweek games that happen before that, we'll break those down there. Sunday will be a recap of the weekend action. Depending on, like next week, those two big Sunday games, uh, Denver and UNC and Duke and Robert Morris. Because of that, and they're both, that's 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. So this podcast, uh, this week, it drops, I'm going to schedule it to drop at 6 a.m. on Sunday. So I'm recording this Saturday night. This will drop 6 a.m. on Sunday. It's probably past that when y'all are listening to this. When there are Sunday games, it will be pushed back a bit later, obviously. So we'll record it on a Sunday and release Sunday night. Instead of record Saturday and release Sunday morning. So... That is how, and that, you know, the, the, the Sunday podcast will always be uh, breaking down and recapping the weekend that was. Before we get into these games, so, so that's the schedule update there and content, and that's what that will be, what the podcast will be focusing on, and the schedule for the college lacrosse season, the in-season programming update there for y'all. Before we get into these games, um, Bellarmine at Mercer, Utah at Denver, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go over Bellarmine and Mercer first. But before we give, no, before we talk about that, we've got to give uh, a shout out to Cameron Herbert. He is the Bellarmine player who was uh, sitting in the stands, um, was inactive. Uh, sitting in the stands, and 
had the thought of, you know, this game is not on, not being streamed. So I'm going to stream it on Twitter for my Twitter in the stands. Um, the hero that we didn't know we all needed, Cameron Herbert, um, MVP of week zero of the college across season. Uh, well done. Well, well done. Uh, upwards of 3,000 people watching uh, watching his uh, live stream of the uh, on Insta- on uh, Twitter, excuse me, on Twitter of the Bellarmine Mercer game. And it wasn't the best, uh, but it w- it was what we needed. You could see the action, you could see the field, and you know by the end he was even given a, a little commentary um, as well. So big shout out to Cameron Herbert for getting uh, getting on that um, and going where Mercer uh, could not or did not go on Saturday and streaming the Mercer Bellman game now. In that game, Bellman took the nine to seven win. It's their first season opening victory since 2016, which is the only year they have made the postseason. Uh, they lost by one or two, maybe three goals to Air Force in the SoCon semis that year. That's the only 2016, the only year they've made the postseason, uh, the last time they had a season opening win. Is that a foreshadowing of things to come? No, I don't know. Um, I don't exactly think so, but uh, we'll see where things go uh, with Bellman. You got to you know, think they feel good about this game, uh, but there's still a lot of areas that they can clean up. Um, and, and, you know, really the only guy, and again, like, I'm watching on a periscope uh, that's from the stands, right? So you're not getting it, – it's it's not the best broadcast, but it's what we have um, there. And, you know, you're looking at the stats. And from what you – from what I watched, uh, which I watched the whole thing on there, and then uh, looking at the stats, like the only guy that really stood out what for Bellerman was Eric Ruback. Um, you know, their top poll, or one of their top polls coming back this year as a fifth year guy. Um, he had a career day for himself, um, offensively, two goals, and then he had six ground balls and three caused turnovers. Uh, the six ground balls and the two goals are career highs for him, single game highs, uh, for Ruback, and then the three caused turnovers. Is like I think it's his second best performance uh, from what I uh, looked on his stats uh, going game by game. I um, mean he's a fifth year guy. He came back. He showed up big time for the Knights when they needed when they needed him. The best player on the field for the Knights, you know, from the opening whistle to the the final horn. Like he was the best player on the field, most consistent player on the field for Bellerman. Had two goals and was one of the leaders there, along with Jesse Roth, <laughs> offensively. Um, you know, as an LSM uh, defenseman, there. You know, he he's our January Tarleton. We you know, 
we never get a January Tarleton because we always start in February. But we have a January Tarleton winner this year. It is going to Mr. Eric Ruback. A phenomenal performance that he had on Saturday um, at w- w- uh, uh, for the Knights in that win over Mercer. And, you know, this is, you know, he played well. And some of the guys, Jesse Roth, as I mentioned, uh, like knowledge, like got like the 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 kind of consensus is like they played well. Yet a handful of guys play well offensively. I thought the defense played fine. Ian Miller was 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 pretty strong in cage, but and then the the defense was pretty solid. Um. But the thing was, and the big theme of the game, you know, coming in was Mosa and this offense they have. We didn't see that at all. Um, Mosa, no Sean Goldsmith. He's out for what I hear is six weeks. It's a long, that's, that's going to be rough. Like, I don't know how much that impacts them. Like, they still looked. I mean, they still almost won this game without him. So they don't need him, per se. I mean, it's nice to have him, but they're gonna have to learn how to play without him. Like, I mean, you have Lenore Vine coming up. I think you win that one. And you know, I I just don't know. You know, with that injury, and then I think they had one or two other key guys out as well. So this is a team that, and and Bellerman also had J T. Simonton out, their starting faceoff guy. Um, and we'll get to Denver. They had a bunch of dudes out, but um, this we're already seeing how you're going to have to balance playing with guys missing uh, maybe every couple games. Uh, so we'll see how that happen, uh, how that works out for Mercer. But no, Sean Goldsmith, um, and that offense looked abysmal. Uh, padlock stat here for the game, um, and, and if you don't know what a padlock stat is, it's kind of like. I found the padlock stat. This is the story of the game, essentially. Moser had 31 turnovers, 14 of which were uncaused. That's your padlock stat right there. 31 turnovers, 14 uncaused. There was 53 turnovers in the game, I believe. Um, obviously, sloppy play from both sides. A lot of the game, um, and you know, with Moser, the the and and this is a kind of a, I would call this a fake padlock stat because like if I did if you didn't know what happened, you didn't know the the final, and you just asked me what happened in Bellerman Moser, and I told you Ashton Wood went eighteen for nineteen. His one loss was a violation at the faceoff dot. You'd be like, oh, oh, so they won. No, they didn't. 31 turnovers, 14 of which uncaused. So, I mean, practically half half your turnovers were uncaused of 31. 31. That, that is not going to work um, no matter who you have on the field, no matter what you have at the faceoff die. Ashton Wood played phenomenal. Wood and Ruback, the top two players in this game, without a doubt. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see 
how both of those teams move on. And, 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 you know, we have a segment coming up at the end of the show here called who's feeling better, who's feeling worse. And obviously this week isn't as big as it will be um, in future weeks when there's more teams playing. But so we'll talk about some of these teams later on here in the show, but um, moving to Utah and Denver, Denver gets the win nine to eight. Um, This was a, like the first half, first half, you it was like watching paint dry. I, I mean, this, especially for Denver, and we all knew, and, and I want to start with this, though. Hold on. Denver, missing 12 guys, including Colin Squires, um, you know, the, the top defenseman, had injuries last year. I don't believe he played at all last year because of injuries. And he was out um, for this game. So, um he was out, including 12 others. Um, I think two or three other guys were on offense. Um, but we know you know, what this Denver offense is. We know what Jackson Moyle is, what Ethan Walker is, what Jack Hanna is. Um, and Ethan Walker and Jack Hanna were the two guys that really stepped up when they needed them to. Um, this offense was abysmal. It was abysmal. Um, absolutely pathetic. Offense, uh, Cole, Cole Blam, uh, Abrams dominated at the phase off dot and, you know, Alex Stathakis, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would, I'd be willing to bet that was his worst game of his career at the face off dot. Like Denver, there was a point there where Denver could not get a possession to save their life. They put, um, uh, booze and, uh, Brett booze in there late in the game, I believe. And, uh, they got, you no know, Denver. I mean, Utah goes on that two-goal run late in the game, and you know that face-off, that ensuing face-off, with I think one thirty left in the game, it's nine. You no, know, Denver has uh, Utah has cut it to a nine-eight game, and you know, I'm thinking like, man, they're not going to win this face-off. And look, when have I ever? When have you ever thought Denver's not going to win a face-off? Trevor Baptiste, you don't think that about Trevor Baptiste. Alex Stathakis last year. Do you know anything about that? Think uh, that about him? Go before Baptiste. Um, Chase Carrillo. Uh, he's going he's gonna to get them all, right? I mean, so it was a abysmal day at the faceoff dot for uh, for the Pioneers. An abysmal day just overall for uh, Denver on offense. Um, defenses in both of this on both sides, we're pretty solid. Um, Denver, they were able to hold. I mean, I mentioned they have s- some younger guys on that defense. Um, all sophomores, um, including Thompson and Cage, who I thought played fairly well. Um, he had a couple big saves in this game that, that really, uh, you know, turned the tide a bit. Um, no more so on the defensive end. Uh, and as I mentioned, you no know, Walker and Hannah uh, kind of turned the tide. It was kind of like third quarter because um, they bookended the third with two straight goals from Walker. To uh, two straight goals from Walker came in the uh, end of the third. Two straight goals from Hannah started the third, and kind of that bookend of that uh, third there is kind of what pushed Denver over the edge, and, and I mentioned Utah tried to come back, and they almost did. Like, honestly, you give them two more minutes 
put two minutes on that clock, I think Utah, like Utah, Utah probably wins this game. Like that's how good they played. And to be honest, they didn't play that well. To be honest, none of these teams played that well today. None of them did. None of them. But again, coming off the longest off season in the history of the game, that was expected. And you know, I think you look at it's nine nine to eight, Denver beats Utah, nine to seven, Bellman beats Moser. Nobody got over double got into double digits. Like I thought ten to twelve, that's reasonable. But I, I and, and I knew there was gonna be some struggling, um, especially in this Denver Utah game with got new guys coming in and all that. I knew there was going to be some struggling early on, and I thought you know Denver would pull away at the end, which, like in a sense, they did, but in like in another vein, they didn't really because Utah was there the whole time. And credit to the Utes, I mean they played, uh, they played a really good game, eight and one on the penalty kill, eight and one man down defense, eight and one of eight. Power plays that Denver had, they only converted one. And let me tell you, it was not because of their lack or their inability to get shots. They were getting shots on those opportunities. Denver was just always in their face, um, always there. So Denver, excuse me, Utah was just always there, always in their face. Um, so Denver comes out of that one nine to eight. You know, skims out of uh, out of Peter Barton Stadium, a fanless Peter Barton Stadium, uh, to get a win to open the season. Bellerman comes out of Macon, Georgia, nine to seven victors to start their season off strong. 